Hello and welcome to Season 2 of Music Rewind, a podcast where we look to tell the stories behind our favorite albums. I'm your host, Steve Epley, and in each episode, I will invite a guest on to tell us about their favorite music album, how they discovered it, and what makes it special to them. Joining me today is a family man, veteran, and lover of music, Jack Robertson. Jack is a fellow podcaster. You can find him as the host of Musings of an ADD Mind podcast and also the co-host of Kenyatta and Jack Save the World podcast. Welcome, Jack, and thank you for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Anytime I can talk about music, I'm game. I love it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm ready to geek out and make your fans think I'm insane. (laughs) This is going to be a fun one. All right, Jack, let's jump right into this. What is your favorite album and how did you discover it? My current favorite album is The Soft Bulletin by The Flaming Lips. And I discovered it back in 2008. I was reading an article about the 100 greatest albums you don't know about. And The Flaming Lips had two albums on there. This one and Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. And I thought, hey, they're a local band. I'm going to give them a listen. And I used to listen to them in high school. So I went and got the CDs and I kind of like this. It's weird because with the Flaming Lips, I discovered them almost two and a half times. In high school, I had a friend that loved the Flaming Lips, got me into them, listened to their first three albums. Then I graduated, got in, went in the army, forgot about them. And then 94-ish, she don't use jelly. We got a lot of radio airplay. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the point five. And then the third time was uh, this 2008. And I've practically listened to them every day since. <laughs> so what era was Blister in the Sun in there? Now, Blister in the Sun is, uh, isn't that the Violent Femmes? You're right. You're right. It is Violent Femmes. So then uh, uh, She Don't Use Jelly is, is the only song I really knew from them before you brought this album to the table. Okay. All right. Yeah. That one was played on 90210. I remember Believe that episode. <laughs> I do. I, and I think that might have been the first time I, I saw it, to shamefully admit live on the air uh that was a long time ago long time ago yeah yeah as i mentioned before we we got started i do had you know kind of a love-hate relationship with uh with this band uh mainly because i I had an unfortunate live experience with them where they did a a nighttime uh rendition of all of dark side of the moon at bonnaroo and i this was it was a schedule for 2 a.m i was super excited about it and when i (laughs) me and my uh fellow concert goers went there and man, they just did not, uh, it wasn't what I expected. I'll just say it was, it, there were a lot of flaming lips fans that loved it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. what I was expecting. Uh, I was expecting yeah. more of a traditional rendition of, you know, a great pink Floyd album that, you know, a lot of bands have done, but man, they just completely threw a curveball on that whole set. <laughs> not what I was expecting yeah, yeah. at all. Yeah. My favorite part of that redo is that Henry Rollins, Henry Rollins, sorry, does all of the, you know, the sort of backing voice of really, of I'm not crazy. Who cares if you die? Everybody that 
That's Henry Rollins. <laughs> oh, that's neat. Which I've always thought was cool. Because they, they, they released that as a, an album, didn't they? They did with his nephew's band, Stardust and the White Dwarves. Because this one, the Soft Bolton, is their ninth studio album. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess we're on the subject live, uh, real quick. I've seen them five, six times live. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And I don't know if this makes me a good parent or a bad parent. My youngest daughter didn't like the Jonas Brothers or Miley Cyrus. She liked the Flaming Lips. So when she was nine, we took her to the Flaming Lips New Year's Eve concert. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure that's a memorable experience for her. We made her wear an N95 mask (laughs) so she was protected (laughs) from the weed. (laughs) But my youngest daughter is always, she doesn't dance to the beat of a drummer. She's in a different instrument section, which is fine. I love that about her. Yeah. And before we go in, she's looking around and she grabs me and she goes, Dad, I'm finally around my people. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's a great memory. It's funny. And she enjoyed it. And that was the year they performed the Soft Bulletin live all the way through after oh, the main cool. concert. So, yeah. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was neat. really cool. Because I did enjoy this album. I mean, I, I have no no reservations. It wasn't like a uh, an album where I just kind of listened to it. Like, yeah, that uh, I have no reason to go back to. It. No, I've listened to it several times mm-hmm. now, and and I do do enjoy listening to it. Yeah, well, that's you have great taste. <laughs> <laughs> um, Wayne Coyne, the lead singer of the Flaming Lips, is also unique. His ex wife re- uh, referred to him as being married to like a grown-up toddler and he uses a lot of like odd imagery in his writing but if you look like the next level you realize it sounds nonsensical nonsensical sorry I can't speak but it's actually deep a lot of times and the soft bulletin is uh, that type of album He uh, wrote it after his uh, father had gone through a long battle of cancer. So it sort of deals with life and death and what happens after that person dies. (laughs) And it's written in the unique Wayne Coyne way. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. Definitely. What I usually do is I'll listen to the album and then I'll, I'll listen to it again at least once more with uh, the, the lyrics in front of me mm-hmm. you know, and try to decipher. And, and some of these, it's, it is a bit you know, clear that's what he's, he's going for. Mm-hmm. And then I also read that there was, just, there was some turmoil in the band a bit due to some accidents and, and some other, other goings-ons. Yeah, at the same time, the bass player, Michael Ivins, was in a wreck and almost died. His car flipped around several times. It's in one of the songs, the Spider Bite song. And Stephen, I can never say his last name, Droids, Draws, I'm not sure. He was a heroin addict and his uh, injection site got infected. He told everyone it was Spider Bite and he almost had to get his uh, hand amputated. And that was all taking place. As Wayne's dad was dying, so. 
you listen to the spider egg song, it's about heroin. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what brings you back to this album? Is it, is it the music side? Is it the lyric side? What, what pulls you to this album each time around? For about the last year, it's been really deep because my mom passed away in March. Uh, she was on the hospice. That took like 21 days. And this song, because of what it's about, just sort of, or not the song, the album really hit home with, because I was going through the same thing. So. Sorry for your loss. Sir. Yeah. Oh, it's all right. It's all right. We knew it was coming. <laughs> That's sort of, as somebody who's not particularly religious, there aren't a lot of songs or albums that deal with death from the non faith side <laughs> if that makes sense and this one is like that and it speaks to me that's that's a very good point i mean most of the you know concept albums if, if you will uh, that that do have to deal with death the ones that come to mind are uh, the dmx album we did in season one uh which is uh, a lot about the uh hard urban life and and death is, is quite evolved, but then there's also ride the lightning we did. And then also the black parade from, from MCR comes to mind. Those are, mm -hmm. those are not uplifting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so th th this one is, this one, this one looks at it from a completely different perspective. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely does. And it's the, it has the only song I've ever really seen. That's what it's like after a person dies Cause it's just like you're folding your laundry and then bam, you think of that person and you know, we've all experienced someone close to us dying and we all know that feeling that you're just doing something mundane and all of a sudden you just, you know, are thinking of that person <laughs> you know, uncontrollably and start crying. Cause it's something dumb. You know, you're like, oh, mom would be so mad. I'm, Killing these potatoes wrong. <laughs> now, do you listen to this album front to back or do you kind of skip around certain front tracks? Front to back. Front Every to back. Time. Yeah. There are about 12 albums that I do that with that every time it's front to back. And this is on that, on that list. Well, uh, walk me through the album, uh, how you listen to it and what you, what you like about it. Okay. Well, <laughs> I see you got notes there, so. <laughs> yeah, I uh, came prepared. <laughs> uh, the first song is Race for the Prize. And it seems weird. It's like scientists trying to find a cure for a disease. But if you have somebody who's dying of cancer, you kind of would have, man, it'd be great if, you know, a cure was found before this happens. And I think that's where Wayne was coming from when he wrote that song. But it once again is with Wayne's unique imagery. And then the next song is A Spoonful Weighs a Ton. They lifted up the sun. 
you know, when a star dies, they always talk about a spoonful of that star stuff now weighs a ton. Yeah. And then there's the spark that bled the aforementioned spider bite song <laughs> about the, the infection he had. And then my least favorite song buggin'. I like it for one reason. He uses incorrect grammar and my wife is a grammar Nazi. <laughs> and every time he sings, uh, the mosquito makes you itch. She's like scratch. It should be scratch. <laughs> and so I like to bug her with that. I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just being a good husband. And then what is the slide? sort of deals with uh, what makes a person happy kind of when you're going through it. I like this one a lot. Uh, yeah, what is the light is one that jumped out at me with, um, that piano at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, quite wonderful. And it's, and it's, it's a happy song. I, I put it as it's, uh, pondering the source of love. Yeah. Yeah. Love is a frequent topic of Wayne's. Yeah. I like that one a lot. The observer is just uh, musical. And then it goes to one of the deeper songs waiting for a Superman. Basically, the idea of the song is if we lived in a world with superheroes or Superman, if you're going through someone dying, the weight of that is more than Superman could lift. And I like that sort of uh, imagery of it doesn't matter how strong you are when you're going through an emotional thing. Nothing can you know lift that through it. And it starts off with the line, it's asked you a question. I didn't need you to reply. Is it getting heavy? And then the next line is, but they'll realize it is getting heavy. Well, I thought it was already as as heavy as can be. You know, when someone's in the hospice, every day you think, okay, it can't get any worse. The next day you go, it gets worse. And so that that whole song just speaks to me because of that imagery. It's definitely a song about, uh, you know, carrying a burden. Yeah. You know, wishing there was some way to to help with it, but you kind of know there isn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it has a line there. Is it overwhelming to use a crane to crush a fly? There's a hell of a metaphor. It is. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just when someone's dying that you love, it's so heavy, but there really isn't anything anyone to do to take that yeah. weight from you. And uh, anyway, I'm, I'm starting to think about my mom. <laughs> 
Um, and the next song is Suddenly Everything Has Changed. That's the one I was talking about earlier. The first lyric is putting all the vegetables away that you bought at the grocery store today. And it goes fast. You think of the past. Suddenly everything has changed. Yeah. And as I was saying, that's, <laughs> that is so on point, especially like first six months or year or, you know, afterwards when someone dies. So this is true. seems weird that, I'm this deep into something that re- is reminding me totally of my mom. <laughs> but here we go. <laughs> anyway. And then. Well, the, the next track probably won't help with that. I mean, it's, it's, this is a very sad song as far as feeling yourself disintegrate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the gash is in between there, which is strangely uplifting. Yeah. I, I skipped that one. Yeah. It's about not giving up. You don't want someone to give up, but they're giving up because like their fight is over and it has some unique imagery, but yeah, you're right. Then it goes straight into feeling yourself disintegrate. about what that song's about you are dying it is about that yeah it's a song of acceptance really yeah yeah and then it goes to sleeping on the roof which is an all right song and then it's just uh two different mixes of race for the prize and waiting for a superman yeah that was a a interesting way to to end the album with that instrumental track uh kind (laughs) of it's a sleepy ambiance to it and 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 hearing you talk through the album i could i totally see the concept album that this truly is yeah and talking about his his father you know the race from the cure all the way to feeling yourself disintegrate i mean that's that that tells a story it really does yeah it definitely does has great imagery i love that kind of thing only Wayne Coyne could write. Also, this, let me backtrack a little. Some of the controversy at the time was also that Stephen Draws basically does all the instruments on the album. Oh, really? He went and recorded them. Because he's the drummer, right? Well, he started out as the drummer, and then he moved to guitar and keyboard, and now he's still guitar and keyboard, and now they have two drummers that drum in sync and it's crazy <laughs> yeah looking at good. it now he's he's credited with drums percussion guitar keyboards bass and backing vocals so yeah that's yeah. pretty much the whole gambit there yeah yeah he is uh definitely a Trent Reznor 
Okay. Is that due to the other guy getting in the car accident? Or is that just due to, I mean, what was the reason behind that? I think he's better at playing the bass. <laughs> Nothing against Michael Ivins, who actually just retired from the band. I just think Steven's better. He can play every instrument. Him and Trent Reznor need to film a, or form a band together called We Play It All. <laughs> now, I don't know if it was actually him, but I did watch the video for Race for the Prize. And mm-hmm. uh, they were a lot older in the video than I was expecting. Uh, my, mm-hmm. my vision of, of them was, was a much younger crew. So it was kind of neat to see them, you know, middle-aged doing these songs. And then his voice, <laughs> interesting to see that voice coming out of him. It just didn't, didn't fit, but then it did. Uh, but the, but the guy playing the bass, uh, was a middle-aged bald guy. Yeah. That's so, Michael Ivins. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, and it made me feel better seeing a middle-aged bald guy, you know, playing yeah. bass in a rock video. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, uh, Wayne's actually like 64, I think. Oh, really? And yeah, he has like a three-year-old <laughs> and I think his wife's pregnant again which is insane because I'm almost 50 and I would die if I had a kid that young. That makes sense. Cause they, they made uh that, that bit, this album's from 99. So when I said they looked middle aged, mm-hmm. that's from 99. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They still are putting out music. They make videos for every, every one of them. They're a lot of times sort of, you know, cheaper videos, but why spend money on a video in today's world? That's true. Um, they had an album come out in September, 2020 called American head, which I love. If you're a fan of songs about drugs, you won't like the album, (laughs) but otherwise I, I love it. (laughs) But by my notes, they've got 16 total studio albums. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. They, they record a lot. Yeah. That's, that's a ton of material there. Yeah. The lead singer, Wayne, he admits that he is not a world-class singer, but his theory is it's rock. I love it. I'm going to sing. <laughs> and he does. Well, and, and I, just to, to caveat on that, that's, that's also been a trend on this particular show is that the, you don't need to be, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll credit to Freddie Mercury with an amazing voice, but you don't need to right. be Freddie Mercury <laughs> to, to be that lead singer. And we've had tons of unique voices on here from, uh, Tom York and Radiohead, uh, Eddie mm-hmm. Vedder, Pearl Jam, uh, got another episode for, for Neil Young, which is as unique a voice as you can get yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't, you don't need to be that operatic, you know, perfect pitch type of guy. So yeah, in his voice, it matches the music very, very well. It really Yeah, does. for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on that first track, that race for the prize, because that that sucker's an earworm. Oh that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, the way that that out, that song just kicks off and it, it just na, na, na. It, that that can go round and round in your head. I've been singing it all day, so <laughs> I was like, I better listen to it three or four times to have it fresh in my head for later. And I've been singing nonstop. <laughs> the three tracks that jumped out to me that I really enjoyed to say track one race for the prize, mm-hmm. uh, just cause say it's such an earworm. Um, and then that, 
leads well into track two, spoonful, uh, spoonful weighs a ton. And at, at about a minute and a half, there's a, there's like a big celestial boom mm-hmm. and the song kind of shifts for a while. And I, I liked that cause I, it was unexpected and I was listening to it with, you know, the, the earmuff headphones on. So it just mm-hmm. kind of came out, came out of nowhere. And, and this is an album with a lot of those beeps and bloops in the background that you might not catch if you don't have uh, some sort of headphones on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, did I hear something on the left? Maybe now you're listening for it and something comes in on the right. You know, I, I like that sort of thing. Uh, but then also that, that track six, that where is the light or what is the light was really a yeah, yeah. standout for me. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a great song. <laughs> it really is. Of course, like I said, all, all the bugging I really, really like, and I don't know, a song about bugs hitting your windshield just isn't my thing. <laughs> it's actually the song on my notes that I have the least amount of notes for. It's just, <laughs> I, was like, I have a song about bugs or whatever metaphor pesters you, I guess. <laughs> I've always had a theory that Warner Brothers was like, you're short a song. And Wayne was like, <laughs> driving to the studio and he was like oh bugs on the windshield <laughs> he strikes me as the guy like hey we need a song all right give me a minute <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure you could do that <laughs> let me see what's yeah what's around me all right, all right i got something let's record yeah, let's go steven create music <laughs> which might be how that works <laughs> <laughs> well there was one uh wow where was that note i had it was, it was the final one sleeping on the roof the song itself came from one morning when Steve drew a musical staff, turned it upside down, and asked the band to randomly place dots on the staff. He turned it right side up, and whatever they played was the song. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome. That is. I actually didn't know that. Cool. That's something I've learned new. <laughs> and I've read the, uh, the book about the Flaming Lips. Um, Super well, I found it on the internet, so you know it's true. Well, I mean, Abraham Lincoln said that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one more story to geek out. I mean, not that I'm ready to end the show. I work in a museum, and in 2010, we did an exhibit on Oklahomans and rock and roll. And the Flaming Lips did a big they were a big part of it donated all sorts of stuff for the exhibit and they had a big party for the opening so we had the kids my daughter wanted to meet Wayne so she he's not talking to anyone she walks up to him punches him in the stomach he looks down at her and she goes the flaming lips are my favorite band my favorite songs are Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah song, and this here giraffe, to which Wayne responded, if this here giraffe is one of your favorite songs, you are indeed a Flaming Lips fan. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then she showed them around the museum. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it that's was really surreal. Neat. Yeah, he gave my son some advice, told him how he worked at Long John Silver's for like 10 years, told him that they say, do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And he's like, I always looked at it as love what you're doing at the time. 
and you'll never have a bad day. <laughs> I'm like, that's that is great advice. Pretty good advice. <laughs> yeah. Put that on the back wall of every Long John Silver's. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, he might be in the uh, long-term Long John Silver's fry cook in the rock world. <laughs> <laughs> now, they're, they're all from Oklahoma City, right? Or at least he was? Him and Michael Ivins are. And they've had so much turnaround in the band. <laughs> His brother was originally in it. He left. They've had several guitars. Steven's actually from Texas. Is Michael Ivins the original bassist, though? Yes. Michael Ivins and Wayne were in it the entirety until Michael Ivins retired June, July of this year. Oh, okay. Which... I can see why in your 60s you might not want to tour <laughs> anymore. <laughs> not everybody's the Stones and will do yeah, it in their After 80s. 16 studio albums and God knows how many live albums and, and company tours and everything, that's, that's a you, – he's earned yeah. the right to retire. <laughs> I, I think so, <laughs> yeah. If you see, watch them now, to me it's amazing, though, that they have two drummers that are playing in sync – that's got to be difficult because every yeah. drummer, you know, is, their timing is slightly different. And those two go at it. <laughs> it's, it's a cool thing to see. And then they did the bubble concerts uh, because of the pandemic. And you could get one person, two person or three person bubbles. They blow them up. You'd be <laughs> in there. And then if you need, you had a paddle, if you felt you needed air and they'd come and, put fresh air in there for you. If you need to go to the bathroom, they'd help you get out and you'd go. But no one has spent more time in a space bubble than Wayne Coyne. Well, that the bubble on stage though, wasn't that prior to the, isn't that something that they did before the pandemic? Yeah. Wayne has done that for 20 years. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought when they did the COVID concerts though, did they uh, like how many attendees did they do that for like, like what was the capacity there those like small intimate shows or some of them were smaller and only had like a hundred people and then some i think were like 500 it sort of depended on the you know the space they had and then the whole band were also in space bubbles yeah i saw some pictures of it yeah. know, online <laughs> I was, I was like, and i was gonna ask you if, if that was just a, a concert gimmick from the past or if that was something covid specific <laughs> yeah that was covid specific and actually that gift you put put up there on uh, facebook earlier my friend natalie's somewhere in that crowd <laughs> <laughs> yeah they did a uh, an npr tiny desk concert in the bubble last year too yeah yeah and i mean no one knows more about space bubbles than wayne Coyne. He used to do the Halloween parade here in Oklahoma City, and that was a two-mile course, and he'd do the whole thing in the space bubble. Jeez. <laughs> That's dedication. Yeah. <laughs> he'd get out, and he just looked awful. <laughs> imagine. It was cool. There was like 500 people in skeleton suits and tiki torches walking along, and then the rest of the band and then Wayne and his space bubble. <laughs> <laughs> the other funny thing about Wayne, he'll do his grocery shopping at a Walmart super <laughs> center. 
and occasionally people know who it is and they just follow him around <laughs> and talk to him as he's, you know, here's some green beans, here's some corn, up oh, needs some barbecue sauce. <laughs> and he just talks to him the whole time, That's which is cool. I mean, yeah, that's cool. Uh, I don't, I don't envy that sort of you know, lifestyle. He's got a look to him though, that, you know, if I saw him in a store, I'd probably be thinking, that's a weird looking dude. And I go about my day. I wouldn't recognize right. him as, as a, uh, you know, you could, you could say a rock legend. I mean, these guys have been around for, for a while, but you know, if I saw Springsteen, I'd, I'd recognize him. You know, that's, right. that's a, yeah. a face, you know, everyone kind of knows. Yeah, definitely. But I guess if it's in Oklahoma city, he's probably, probably well known there. Yeah, he is. They have a alley named after him. We have a entertainment district called Bricktown. And rather than name a street after, uh, you know, the famous people like his tradition, they named a back alley after the Flaming Lips. And Wayne was like, you know what, for us, that's perfect. Let's <laughs> <laughs> call it Bubble Town. <laughs> and I want to say they had to put geotags on the uh, street sign because it kept getting stolen. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's just just life around here. The funny thing is he has, like, a complex of houses that are in, like, sort of lower, maybe not income side of town. It's definitely not, you know, the expensive, wealthy people mm -hmm. live there. He bought this house in the 90s and renovated, bought the house next door and the house behind him and the house behind him and the house next door. And apparently his friends refer to it as Stately Wayne Manor. He, from he the lives old, there? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, cool. He, yeah, that's why he did the uh, New Year's Eve concerts here for so many years because he was like, when I'm done, I just go home and go to bed. I don't have to go to a hotel. <laughs> That's great planning, actually. <laughs> it is. That's, that's smart. <laughs> well, you know, he was in his 50s then, and comfort's key when you get to be this age. <laughs> it's, it's true. <laughs> so, uh, the Soft Bulletin made your top spot. What, uh, what albums made your shortlist? Pink Floyd Animals, which I know you guys discussed the other... Uh, I did, yes. Was it the Pearl Jam 10 that you guys talked about? Uh, Pearl Jam Versus was in uh, season one. Okay. And, yeah. uh, and then Pink Floyd Animals ended season one. Animals doesn't get enough credit for me. I agree. In the it's, it's, it's right there. It's right, it's right there. <laughs> yeah. I love that. The whole thing, just that only Pink Floyd would start an album with its a minute long song and then have three... <laughs> 20 minute songs and then a minute song. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, the diamond in the rough you could say, cause you know, everyone will talk about dark side, which we're here in the wall, but like right in the middle of those is this amazing album. And I think I told my, uh, my cousin who I, who I talked about on that episode, it's, it's like, it's just, it's 40 minutes of just pure awesome. And it's almost like you can almost think of it as one long track. It's wonderful. Really? You can. Yeah. Now that I've geeked out about Pink Floyd, The Wall also made my short list. Didn't He Ramble by Glenn Hansard. I don't know if you know who Glenn Hansard is. He's an Irish artist. 
kind of does folk, but he just really does whatever he wants. So is that, is that, didn't he ramble in, in the vein of like the traditional jazz song? No, his is about, didn't he ramble going on a bar crawl? (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Um, He is Irish. So he has a love affair with Guinness. You almost have to when you're Irish, (laughs) but once is a movie he made illegally in Dublin and it won an Oscar for best song. And then it was made into a Broadway musical and they won Tony's for that. And then he's done a bunch of solo stuff, but he didn't start doing solo stuff till he was like 45. He was in a band called the frames before that. And do you remember the movie, the commitments? Yes, it was that movie from the 90s about the Irish soul band. He's in that. He's the long haired, long red haired guitar player. Freddie the Lips. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's Glenn Hansen. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I love the commitments. If he comes to your town, go see him. He sings every song like it's the last song he's ever going to sing. It is amazing. He was, and, he, he was a bit old than when they made the commitments. I mean, I wonder how old he is yeah. now. <laughs> he's still touring? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, I'm going to say, 56, something like that. If there's anyone and, out there who has not listened or watched the commitments, please do so. It's an amazing, oh, yeah. amazing movie. You'll love it. <laughs> it is. And the point that the Irish are Europe's uh, black people <laughs> is kind of true. Do you know anything yeah. about the history of like, <laughs> Ireland? Yeah, that's, and, that's a wonderfully awkward scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, my last album was Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral. Uh-huh. Good album. Very good album. I, yeah. I spent a lot of time listening to that in the deserts of Kuwait. Because <laughs> I was protecting us from the evil of Saddam Hussein. Yeah, Kuwait's not fun. Oh, I was out no, there for the I was out there for the second Iraq trip. So <laughs> I was in between. I went in '96. Uh, Saddam moved bunch troops to the border. Bill Clinton said, "Hey, first calves, go stop them," <laughs> and we did. <laughs> There's a reason you never heard of it <laughs> of, ni- of the '96 deployment. <laughs> we did teach a bunch of people from. Pakistan incorrect English, which I'm both proud and horrified that I did. Because when the Marines came <laughs> after us, all of the Pakistanis greeted you with, hey, fruity nipples. And <laughs> I know that was wrong. Furthering our foreign relations the best we can. Us, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was... Back in Walkman days, CD Walkman, listening to Nine Inch Nails pretty much every day. And then I also Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy, and the Infinite Sadness. Also listened to that a lot when I was over there. And when I joined the Army in 98, uh, and then, you know, 99, permanent station out in the field, there's, you know, you got your... So you got your disc man and you got your big, mm-hmm. big ass CD wallet and you got to yep. pick and choose which one, <laughs> which ones am I going to bring to the field? And, but you got your regulars, but then by the end of my tenure in the, in the military, so I went from that disc man and the 
big ass CD wallet to uh, a tiny little MP3 player at the time. I didn't have an iPhone yet, but uh, just a tiny little MP3 player with, you know, three, 400 songs on. It's like, this is amazing. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh, it was, it was, it was great for those, those convoys up, up and down the, up and down the roads there. So, uh, yeah. Where were you stationed at when you were active duty? Uh, I did uh, active duty time in uh, Hawaii for a bit and then uh, DC for a bit, Fort Stewart for a bit. And then uh, my last year and a half was in uh, Baghdad. I was at Fort Hood. I started at Oklahoma District Guard and then active duty at Fort Hood. And then I was tired of the military. <laughs> The, uh, well, after I got out, I made the, you know, you could say smart or dumb decision. I became a contractor. So then I ended up going back and forth to the middle East, like 30 times. So that was good money though. I mean, it, it was, it was a great thing. Did it. it was, it, well, and also the U S posts, uh, we were training Marines and soldiers on network equipment. So mm-hmm. it was, a it was good, good gig to have in your, your late twenties, early thirties. So. Oh, yeah, no, I understand. My son just got out of the Air Force. Uh, it was an E-4, so you know how low his pay was. But he deals with space, and his civilian job is making like five times the amount, which is awesome to be 26, have no student loan debt, own your own house, and making that much money. And and honestly, that's one of the I got out for several reasons, but... When I was in uh, Iraq, uh, here's here's me in, in network operations, and I'm managing my network. I got all my my nodes out there, and you know, Signal Core, and mm-hmm. I'm working side by side with a contractor, uh, one of my best friends, still lives around here today. He's a contractor doing exactly what I'm doing, but making four times as much. And while I'm doing counseling statements and, and other stuff, you know, managing my team and the network, mm-hmm. he's over here playing damn world of Warcraft laughing at me. <laughs> so as soon as he, he left Iraq about a month before I did. And then when I came home, he's like, dude, I need your resume. And then uh, he actually hired me, moved me down to Atlanta. And then the rest was history there. I don't blame you one bit. No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't regret any of it. Military pay sucks and occasionally people try to kill you. <laughs> and then the higher up you go, it just got so cutthroat and, and it wasn't enjoyable anymore. You know, the, yeah. the, yeah. you know, I, I enjoyed being a soldier a hundred percent, but then just the, I don't know, the, it's just like a, it's like corporate politics, but with a different tinge to it. And it just, just not enjoyable also because yeah. they they pay a shit so that didn't help either so <laughs> exactly and i'm going to do a transition here which is why you listen to i Inch Nails, the downward spiral when you're in the military because you <laughs> often feel <laughs> like that <laughs> see i was just in high school and i listened to it that was my reason <laughs> yeah, well just, you know and, and, and you got me got <laughs> downward spiral here and you got melancholy over here it's like High school. <laughs> yeah. Well, sorry, I'm a little older. <laughs> That's a good short list. Those, those uh, all those are uh, great albums, but I'm, I'm curious about the, the Irish guy for the commitments. I'm going to have to do some, some YouTube and on him. Well, but before we wrap this up, uh, please tell our listeners what you're working on, uh, where they can find you and anything you'd like to pitch. Well, I have two podcasts, as I mentioned, musings of an AD to mine. And 
I don't know if I'm a high-functioning person with ADHD at this point, but I'm almost 50 and dealt with it for this long time, and I've just had a bunch of odd, random craps stuck in my head from 40 years of short attention spans and focusing on something and leaving. And I just sort of talk about things that are striking my uh, fancy at that time. And, uh, well, for example, my son is an expert on GPS. He came on, told us what they can and can't do. They cannot put a GPS tracker in you. They just can't. And I'm also required to say, if your GPS gets you lost, it's the software, not the satellite. (laughs) He will slap me if I don't. (laughs) But anyway, we talk about music, things going on, religion, just sort of whatever. And then my second podcast, Kenyatta and Jack Save the World, we talk about the stuff that people don't want to talk about, generally speaking. Uh, We're both Gen Xers. Uh, We've known each other since the fifth grade. As you can see, I'm clearly an old white dude and Kenyatta is a lovely, I'm not going to mention her age, um, black woman. (laughs) And we talk about things from those point of views. And a lot of times people are afraid to talk about stuff like that. And we're not. (laughs) We discussed several topics. Uh, we just learned, did one on Haiti. Um, if you don't know about Haiti, holy shit, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> but we do that. And uh, we both have a charity associated with that podcast. Mine is the Service Dog Project. They train Great Danes for people with mobility issues or uh, stability issues because Great Danes are so tall and sturdy <laughs> they, they okay. do a better job of helping somebody with balance okay that's mainly it i work at a museum which is cool to say the least i see a lot of crap no one ever does but you get blind to it yeah not everybody has an apollo capsule 50 feet away from them but i do <laughs> that is pretty cool yeah that's kind of what I got going on and I'm going to keep listening to your show. I'm glad I saw it on that Facebook page and I'll talk about music. I'll listen to people talking about music. So you've uh, got a fan in me. (laughs) Appreciate that. And uh, I encourage everyone to check out both those podcasts, uh, Musings of an ADHD Mind and uh, Kenyatta. Did I say that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. You'll have to come on my music episodes and return the favor. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. Well, Jack, thank you for your time today. It was a pleasure to sit and talk with you about the Soft Bulletin from the Flaming Lips. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. And hopefully your listener don't think I'm too big of a dork for being that hyped about the Flaming Lips. (laughs) Now nah, you've you've converted me. It was a great album. Okay, I liked it. <laughs> my job was done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Music Rewind, a podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. As I always say, listen to the full album. Until next time.
A podcast from the Sidereal Media Group. Back to you, anchors.